Hello, hello, Anita Love to Hey to Hey from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. It is savvy, 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 savvy Saturday. Blessings unto you all. Thank you all for tuning into my podcast. Thank you all for the support, the call-ins, the questions. I am blessed. I am happy. Um, it is actually pretty cool for me up here in Louisiana, which is crazy because you know, it's March, you know, but I'm not complaining because it's not rain. So I'll take this any day. Um, but I'm coming to you because I ran across, um, um, the first, um, black female, first African American woman to own a NASCAR team. And I was just like, yeah, honey, Melissa Harville LeBron. Um, she had been setting the standards through many business ventures throughout the years. And her plan to scare her sons out of taking up the hype of race car- racing cars only led her to become the first African-American woman to own a team licensed by NASCAR. Um, according to the Black Enterprise, Ms. Harvell LeBron's experience with race cars began when she took her son's to a NASCAR experience event at Charlotte Super Speedway. She was hoping to stop them from taking up sports. However, that didn't work. (laughs) She said, I got to a NASCAR experience and I brought my boys along thinking it would discourage them from driving, but it did not work that way. After realizing the lack of diversity in the sport, Harvey LeBron was motivated to invest and create E2 Northeast Motorsports under the umbrella of W.M. Stone Enterprise Incorporated. According to the site, her team has become the first multicultural team to race competitively in NASCAR with four black and Latino drivers, two of those drivers being her family. Isn't that just amazing, 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 you guys? Um, I love when, you know, we do, uh, great things and when we accomplish things, like it makes me feel, um, expired, expired. It makes me feel inspired and it gives me motivation and it lets me know that, um, it continues to reassure me that we can do anything that strength, anything through Christ, because, you know, he, he's, he's the strength, you know, he is our all in all and he's never failed us. And honestly, I don't think he ever will. Um, I wanted to give you guys a little backdraft on, um, Miss Harville LeBron. Um, she is a phenomenal woman. Um, she's very ambitious. Um, she led, um, herself to make history as the first African-American to own a race team licensed by NASCAR. And that was, like, mind-blowing because, you know, though that's something that she didn't seek out to do and end up going to a situation and looking at it and saying, no, this isn't right. Some, it needs to be more diversity in this. And that alone is just confidence to be able to be to push yourself to step out and say this is this needs to be this way you know add us in there um 
She's a 47-year-old single mother. She was raising three biological children, as well as her siblings' four kids. Um, she started her career in the entertainment industry as an intern at Sony Music. And in um, 2005, she launched her own music label while working for New York City's Department of Correction office. Nearly a decade later, she suffered from a severe asthma attack that forced her into early retirement and inspired her to take the risk of launching a um, multifaceted entertainment company, W.M. Stone Enterprise, which was incorporated in 2014. Um, she said that her, her, race, her, her journey into auto racing, racing began unexpectedly. And she said she got invited to a NASCAR experience, and when she brought her sons along thinking that it would discourage them from driving, it actually ended up encouraging her. Um, she said they were driving like 149 miles per hour and 150 miles per hour um, during their first session, and she loved every minute of it. And she said while she was watching them, she was just in awe. Nonetheless, um, seeing the passion and joy her sons had for racing, she said it compelled her to want them to follow their heart. Um, she also explored the sports history. She noticed notorious lack of diversity, which I've mentioned that before. She said there were little to no drivers of color, let alone an owner, and that motivated her to, you know, fill in the gap. Um... As I told you, she created um, E2 Northeast Motorsports under the umbrella of W.M. Stone Enterprise. Um, they're competing. It's for blacks and Latino drivers. Um, two in the Camping World Truck Series and two in NASCAR Will and All-America Series. Two of the drivers are her family, which are brothers, and Harvey LeBron's son, Eric and Iniko. Um, besides making history, she celebrated another victory on February 16 when her team ran its first official race in the Camping World Truck Series at Daytona. And Scott Stenzel started the race in an E2 Northeast Motorsports Chevrolet, marking his return to the NCWTS following a three-year hiatus. He came in 15th place at, the, at Daytona International Speedway. In a statement released earlier um, this month, which actually was last month, which was in February, Harvey LeBron called it a honor to partner with Stencil and the NCWTS team, Coop Motorsports. This team truly exemplifies diversity. That is sure to attract a younger, multicultural fan base. It's an honor to announce that Stencil is now a part of this racing family. In addition to granting opportunities to people of color, Harvey LeBron wishes to see more become sports owners, particularly of NASCAR teams. It's important for our culture to push generational wealth to our children. It's important to lead by example. All too often, our children see negative images of our culture and think it's very important for people of our culture to actually succeed in business. And I totally agree with her. Um... And she's actually 37, you guys. I'm sorry, not 47. Um, oh, I was right. I said 37. I said 47. Y'all, I'm just mistalking all over myself. She's actually 47. I was correct. Um, I'm just happy. 
Um, when I see stuff like that, um, I don't even know, like, what else to just say. Sometimes I just be, like, in awe because I, I know what we're capable of. You know, I, I know it, and I'm all for it. So, yay her, her family, and yay for us. That's another accomplishment, you know? All right, I had this um, um, Huff Post, um, where they were talking about um, there were no jail time for this Texas teenager who lied about being raped by three black men. Um, she falsely claimed that she was kidnapped and raped by three black men last March. Um, and on Thursday, um, the 19-year-old Brianna Harmon of Pottsboro pleaded guilty to four felony charges of tampering with physical evidence and government documents in relation to false reports of kidnapping and sexual assault. Um, she was very remorseful for what she did and what she said, and that's why she decided to plead guilty. That's what her attorney said. Uh, no suspects were ever identified or arrested in the case. Harmon will be sentenced March the 20th. Her plea deal has two possible punishment, regular probation or defer a justification. Uh, adjudication. Yeah, adjudication, which often that involves fulfilling a requirement such as treatment or community service. Uh, bottom line, neither one involves jail time. Okay. On March 8, 2017, Harmon um, was reported missing to the Denson's um, Denison, I'm sorry, guys. Police department, after witnesses noticed the door to her vehicle was open with personal items, including a phone and keys scattered on the ground. A few hours later, Herman walked into a church wearing only a shirt, bra, and underwear. She said she had been kidnapped by three black males wearing ski masks, according to the Sherman Herald Democrat. Herman claimed the men assaulted her and that she was raped by two men while a third held her down. Um, investigators noticed inconsistencies in Harmon's story within a few days. Medical workers didn't find evidence she had been raped, and the holes in a pair of blue jeans discovered at the alleged crime scene didn't match her injuries, including to the Dallas Morning News, according to the um, Dallas Morning News. I'm sorry. Uh, the puzzle pieces just weren't coming together. That's what the police sheriff and Dennison um, Harmon told police two weeks later that she made up the rape and that cuts on her body was self-inflicted. She told officers that she was upset after she and her fiancé had been fighting. Um, Harmon says she cut herself in her clothes, then made up the rape story because she didn't want her family to be angry with her. Uh, Birch said Harmon's false allegations have hurt the community, especially its African-American residents. Brianna Harmon's hoax was also insulting to our community and especially offensive to the African-American community due to her description of the so-called suspects in a hoax. The anger and hurt caused from such a hoax are difficult and also unnecessary. Um, that's horrible. And the fact that people can accuse people of things 
and get away with it is unsettling to me. You know, there are men, there, there are people that have been wrongly convicted on crimes that they didn't commit, had opportunities of being successful uh, basketball players and football players, and they lost that opportunity because they were falsely accused and they were found guilty of a crime that later, years later, found out that they did not do, had no act in it. DNA is what saved them. And nothing is done to these people. Um, I don't know. I just think that it's wrong. And it's hurtful that every time something happens, it's Muslims or it's, it's black people. You know? I don't get it. I, I just... Um, and the fact that she can possibly have no jail time is really crazy to me. Like, I don't understand that. Um, it, it, I don't know. I, I don't have any words. I, I, I ran across it, and I didn't want to talk about it, but then somebody sent it to me again. And then I was just going over different things that I wanted to kind of change up on my podcast. And then I said, I, I ran across it again. I was like, no, I'm going to speak on it. Um, the fact that things like this happen across this country and there's hardly any outcry about it. It hardly gets any attention that people can sit back and accuse black people of doing crimes that they didn't even know that they were being accused of. And on top of all of that, these people get to walk away from it. Community service. That's appalling to me. Like, I don't understand that. When is it going to change? When is it going to stop? The fact that people know that all I got to do is say black people did it and I'm going to be believable. But the, the good thing about these police officers, they didn't let it in there. They kept digging until they found out if this was actually true or not. And I respect them and I thank them for the job that they did proving learning and pushing and probing or however you want to word it to learn that this was a host. This wasn't even true. This wasn't even real. It's just embarrassing. You know, that's just like when a group of black people, I'm going to take prime example, love and hip hop. I think the way we act on love and hip hop is embarrassing. I think it's very ignorant sometimes. However, when you look at some of the other reality shows that's with white people, and they get on there and they act stupid and ignorant. They just act stupid. They're just embarrassing. But when you talk about love and hip-hop, they act like the N-word. And I was looking at um, Married to Medicine, which I don't even watch the show, um, the reality um, series. I used to at first. And then I was like, these are some successful, beautiful black people. And they get on this and the way they act with each other is almost like people are saying that when black people have money, this is how they act amongst each other. And that's not how all black people act. Um, and I, I stopped watching it. Um, but I ended up watching it yesterday because my daughter was recording it. And when it came to the end, I was watching something else. So you either had to stop it or play it. So I just went on here and played it. And I was watching it. 
and they got the bickering at the table amongst each other. And one of the husbands got up and said that they weren't going to sit there and listen to them do that. And they're acting like a bunch of in. And the women at that table were more offended than the men were at that table. And I wasn't even there. I don't even know these people. And I was offended that you would use that word towards your own to insult them. Because this was originally brought into play to insult black people from white people. And I do believe the only way you give that word life is if you pay attention to it. But it just bothered me, you know. So we, we just have to stop doing that, period. We have to change.